ಮಿಲಿತಾಂಜೇನಾಂಜೇನೂತಲೈಸ್ವಾಪದಂತಿಕ ವಂದೇಹಂ ಶ್ರೀಗುರೀಜುತಾಪದಕಮಲೀಗುರೂನ್ ವೈಷ್ಣವಾಂಶ್ರೀರೂಪಾಗ್ರಜಾತಹಕನಾ ರಘುನಾಥ ಸಜೀವ 
Sadvaitam Sapadutam Harijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vidamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Kopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Svate Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Bansha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasadi Gauda Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Rama sincerely grateful to be among all of you this evening on this holy occasion of Gaur Purnima. It was at the time of the moonrise in 1486 the month of Palgun, which is tonight, that Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared in this world. The great poet, who was a personal associate of one of the very intimate disciples of Lord Chaitanya. He wrote a poem, Paramakaruna Pahun Duijana Nitai Godachandra. Paramakaruna Pahun Duijana Nitai Godachandra. Tava avatara sara siromani kevala ananda kanda. The Lord Chaitanya and his beloved associate, brother Nityananda Prabhu, are supremely merciful. 
He's declared to be the essence of all avatars. Because of what he's giving freely to human society. Rupa Goswami prayed, Namo Mahabharanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namane Godatveshe Namaha That Lord Chaitanya is Krishna. But he's revealing more mercy, more compassion than even Krishna. How is this possible? This is a subject that has been described in volumes and volumes of works by the most highly liberated souls. I'd like to very briefly what ordinarily should take at least one month of eight hours a day to even begin to discuss. We will try to speak in a few minutes. How is it that Lord Chaitanya is the essence of all avatars? And he's giving something of quality that no other incarnation had given. In Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is explained that Lord Chaitanya came to fulfill three purposes. In Bhagavad Gita, he tells, Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutanama dharmatya. That I appear again and again to reestablish the true principles of dharma. And in every yuga, the great Vedic literature is described there is a yuga avatar who teaches the principles of the most accessible and powerful form of spiritual practice for that particular age. The Shastras describe in Satya Yuga meditation, in Treta Yuga the performance of yajna, sacrifices. In Dwapar Yuga, the worship of the Lord. And in Kali Yuga, Adinam Sankirtan, the chanting of the holy names. Kalayar dosani de rajan mahanguna kirtana deva krishnasya mukta sangapuram this Kali Yuga is an ocean of faults. People are so desperately disqualified for true spiritual enlightenment. 
But there's one benediction in this age of Kali that makes it the best of all ages, better than Satya Yuga. Because simply by chanting the names of Hari with sincerity, with humility, taking shelter of the holy names, living with character, one can achieve the essence of the perfection of liberation. The Vedic literatures explain there are various levels of liberation. Vadanti tattva vidas tattvam yajganamatvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabjate. The absolute truth is eternally existing in the spiritual realm with three features. They are adwaita, they are one. But at the same time, they are achintya, inconceivably three. Brahman, which is the all-pervading light, the all-pervading existence of the supreme spiritual reality. Paramatma. That supreme reality who is seated in the heart of every living being. Suhridam Sarvabhutanam as our very dear most friend. Because in this world we don't have an experience of such absolute, supreme, all-pervading love. Krishna is such a well-wisher. Whatever we do, whatever we don't do, wherever we go, whatever species of life we karmically create destiny to reside in, Krishna is always there, personally waiting for us to turn to him, the Paramatma. who is the knower of everything, past, present, future. It is willing to forgive us in a second if we just take shelter with a true heart and surrender. And Bhagavan. Bhagavan who Ishwara Parama Krishna Satchidananda Vigraha the supreme absolute truth who's one with the all-pervading Brahman, who's one with the Paramatma, has an eternal form of bliss and knowledge who performs lila or pastimes. Who is all-attractive and who has many features. Ram, Narayan, Krishna. And all these forms are eternally existing to reciprocate love with the devotees. Krishna tells, that as we approach the Supreme, the Supreme Lord reciprocates. 
if we approach him as the supreme brahman then the ecstasy of that is going to charm our hearts and we're going to make that our goal our life and soul if we approach the lord as the paramatma the lord within the heart then to realize that lord within the heart to be empowered by the love of that lord within our heart and to enter into the eternal loving pastimes of the lord the lord has innumerable spiritual planets in the spiritual sky that are ever existing to share that love in these spiritual worlds there are three energies satchit ananda or sandini samvit and ladini sandini is what manifests and maintains the very existence of krishna all devotees of krishna all the paraphernalia of krishna all the spiritual worlds some bit of the energy which gives cognizance or knowledge of our relationships of our purpose and sadini which is the energy of pure unmotivated uninterrupted ecstatic love and when that sadini is connected with that samvit and we identify ourselves and krishna identifies us that is where the reciprocation of eternal loving pastimes is manifested krishna has three energies the internal spiritual world which we are discussing the external energy of the material existence which is an energy of the supreme lord you part the vedanta sutra tells upanishads parasya shaktir vivadaiva shruyate and these this energy of material existence is spiritual when we realize it's a facility given by krishna to love him but when we forget that it's a place of adi daivaka adi bodhika adi atmaka a place where there's happiness and there's distress the distress caused by natural disturbances by other people or living beings or by the distress of our own body and mind dukalayam ashashratam krishna tells in bhagavad gita that in this material existence suffering is inevitable for the body and the mind In fact Krishna tells Abrama bhavana loka punar avrtanorjana mamupetit kontaya 
This statement of Bhagavad Gita, if we want to enjoy material life, creates a sense of hopelessness. Krishna tells from the highest planet in this entire material existence of Brahmaloka. And all the way down, Brahmaloka, Tapaloka, Janaloka, Maharloka, Swargaloka, the heavenly planets. What to speak of Buloka, the earth planets, the middle planetary system that we're in, in all what in the lower planets, Patala Sutalano. They're all places of inherent, imminent misery. <clears throat> because everything's temporary. Whatever we attach ourselves by deriving pleasure, it's going to be taken away. The things we love, the people we love, the very body that we're trying to love with, the states of enjoyment, they're all coming and going. But Ananda Mayobhyashat, our nature, the eternal soul, is the spiritual energy. It's called Tatashta Shakti because the soul has the free will to either come under the full control of this material energy or the spiritual energy. And true religion or dharma is meant to actually take shelter and live in harmony with the spiritual energy. In the Western scripture it is said to be in this world but not of this world. We're moving around in this world, but we're actually instruments of the true nature of the soul, which is not of this world, it's of the spiritual world. So this age of Kali is a particular time where the vast... Um, majority of population is inclined toward forgetting this truth. And we're thinking our happiness is being a proprietor, a controller, and an enjoyer. We want money, we want property, we want fame, we want prestige. We want so many mental and sensual forms of enjoyment. And the more we do it, the more we become implicated in the complexities of material existence. And there's so much implication. It is said, Mahajano Yenagatasapanta that the path of liberation is to follow in the footsteps of enlightened, liberated souls, the great souls. 
Yadhyarachurati stresdas tatad evitarojana. Sayat paramanam kurute lokastadanuvartate. What the leaders of our society on every level, whether they be parents or teachers or prime ministers or presidents or gurus, what leaders of society do, that is the standard that people strive to achieve. When we consider that great success in life is to be beautiful or to possess something or someone that's beautiful and enjoy. To the degree there's enjoyment, the seed of suffering grows because it's temporary and it never fulfills the desires of the soul which is wishing, which is naturally, instinctively, intrinsically meant for unlimited spiritual love. So we see in this age so much exploitation, so much pollution, so much negligence of self-control and spiritual principles. But Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita goes to the very origin of all love. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he came to this world to fulfill this promise of Bhagavad Gita that he would descend. And he also established the Yuga Dharma of Harinam Sankirtan as the Yuga Avatar. But there's something much deeper that devotees pray to be connected with through grace. Sri Chaitanya Charita Amrita and other great Vaishnava literatures tell that the absolute truth is one. Radha Krishna Pranaya Vikratir Ladini Shakti Rasmat Ekatmanam The Absolute Truth is One They're supposed to be illegal <laughs> problem is nobody cares. <laughs> the absolute truth is one, but for the sake of love in the highest realm of spiritual ananda or ecstasy, that absolute is eternally two. The ashraya and the vishaya, the abode of love and the object of love. Radha Krishna. <laughs> or in other realms of the spiritual 
sky. Sitaram Lakshmi Narayan. The realm of the cosmos, Shiva Parvati. So, Sri Radha, the Ladini Shakti of the Lord, is the ultimate energy of Krishna who is the source of all love and compassion. And Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita describes the nature of this love. In this material world, what goes in the name of love is very different from the love of the soul. The difference is explained as gold and iron. They're both metal, but they have a different quality. When we love for our enjoyment, that is kama in the material sense. When we love exclusively for the enjoyment of the Supreme, that is prema. And it is described that the highest inclusive perfection of that prema is the gopis of Vrindavan. The gopis eternally, forever, they're only thinking what makes Krishna happy. They will make themselves beautiful only to be beautiful to give happiness to Krishna. There's that famous story, Narada Muni. He was told by Krishna, I have a headache. I need the dust of the feet of my devotees to rub on my head. So he went to great sages. They said, putting the dust of our feet on Krishna's head, we'll go to hell. He went to great learned scholars. We, we read the scriptures. We can't put our feet on Krishna's head. He went back to, nobody wants to give. He said, go to the gopis. They went to the gopis. The gopis immediately started scraping as much dust as they can off their feet and putting in little containers, nice containers, and said, immediately bring it to Krishna. And Narada Muni said, what are you doing? Don't you know you're going to go to hell? Hellish consequences for this? Hell is a temporary situation. But still, nobody wants to go there. <laughs> the gopi said, of course we know what will happen if we give the dust of our feet, of course. But if, if our going to a hellish condition for tens and millions of years will relieve Krishna for even one second of his headache, that's our life and soul. That's our only happiness. 
and they meant it. Whatever they do, it's exclusively for Krishna's pleasure. There's not even the slightest thought of what they enjoy. Their bodies, their words, their thoughts, their actions, their very lives. We cannot imitate that. If we try to imitate it, we're just pretenders. But Lord Chaitanya taught us that it's the highest standard we remember. We bow our heads to that. We understand it's so far above us. But we try to follow the principle of what they're teaching. That is called following in the footsteps. Imitating and following in the footsteps are two completely different endeavors. To give up our selfishness, to give up our egoism, to really understand Bhaktaram Jagatapasam Sarva Lokameshuram Suradam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatmam Shanti Mrichati. We want to love Krishna in such a way that everything is for Krishna. Even life or death of this physical body is just a detail. The real issue is, is Krishna happy? That is bhakti yoga in its true sense. It's not just something sentimental. There's thousands of books of profound philosophy to describe the nature of this love or what bhakti is. And of all the gopis who love Krishna, the very source of all gopis is Sri Radha. What is the nature of her love? Vedaham samatitani varatamanani chaujuna bhavishani chabutani mam tu vedana kashjana. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells, I know everything. The absolute truth is all pervading within and outside everything of all. Aham sarvasya prabhavo matasarvam pravartit. The source of all spiritual and all material worlds. Everything. Everyone. Sarvayoni shukontiya murtaya samavantiya tasam brahma mahajoni raham bija pradabhita. The father, the mother of everyone, the root of the tree of all of existence. He knows everything. He knows everyone. And he never forgets. He knows everything everyone will do in the future, but doesn't interfere with our independence to do it. That's, that's God. 
He understands everything we've ever done in the past, and that doesn't mean this life. Krishna, in our heart, he understands if we were little lizards. He knew everything we did. If we were birds, he knows every chirp. He knows every place we ever left our droppings. (laughs) He knows everything. What to speak of our every thought, our every word, of every life. Actions. But Krishna, he cannot understand Sri Radha's love. Because her love, her surrender, as a supreme of the gopis, the gopis do not want any happiness. They're so immersed in this samadhi of giving Krishna happiness. It's impossible for them to even think of their own happiness. When the gopis are with Krishna and they're in so much ecstasy being with him, if they start crying because of ecstasy, they don't enjoy that ecstasy. They want that ecstasy to go away because the tears are interfering with their doing seva for Krishna. That's gopis. So when Krishna sees that love, and it's inconceivable, without divine grace, nobody can really understand it. It's hard enough to even theoretically, intellectually comprehend what to speak of understand with realization. That a pure devotee, and now we're speaking of on the level of gopis, has no desire for happiness, only wants Krishna to be happy. But to the extent they're in that mood, they're experiencing happiness. And in their happiness, when Krishna sees their happiness, he becomes more happy. And when they see Krishna more happy, they don't want happiness, but they become more happy. And when Krishna sees that they're happy, he becomes more happy. And when they see Krishna more happy, they become more happy. But they're not happy for themselves. They're happy just to give happiness to Krishna. And Krishna is happy just to be happy for them. And they're happy just to give happiness to Krishna. And this goes on forever. This is spiritual world. And when Krishna sees... Krishna is such an ananda. He's the source of all bliss. So many people are attracted to Krishna. 
And Krishna tells in Bhagavad Gita that all the things within this creation that we're living that attract us, they're only attractive because they're a spark of his splendor. So what's Krishna's attraction? Different people, according to the conditioning of the modes of nature we may be in, we're attracted to certain things. Some are attracted to jewelry. Some are attracted to nice mansions or houses. Some are attracted to growing flowers. Some are attracted to beautiful women or handsome men. Or some are attracted to power. Or some are attracted to food. Everyone's attracted to something. And these different attractions, we read books about it, we've seen it, we've experienced it, how those attractions could mesmerize us, could completely inundate us. And they're all of these attractions of this entire creation put together. It's just one part of a spark of Krishna's infinite splendor. So how attractive is Krishna? The name Krishna means all attractive. There's many names for the Supreme Being we're speaking of, the absolute truth. Krishna means all attractive. But when Krishna sees the love of Sri Radha, He's attracted. Krishna's Madan Mohan, which means Kamadev, or what in the West is called Cupid, is an energy that really infatuates people. In Vrindavan, when Krishna was living, Kamadev, who's the presiding devata of that energy that infatuates people throughout this entire creation. He wanted to test Krishna. And he has like this special like floral, flower bow and arrow. And when he shoots somebody, just pray that he doesn't shoot you. <laughs> But he's shooting everybody at every minute, one way or another. So he aimed his full, the full power of all of his attractive potencies. You know, he uses, for us, all he needs is these little tiny arrows. But the ultimate Maha arrow of all arrows, <laughs> just the sound of us is agitating our minds. He aimed at Krishna, who was sitting, who was standing on the bank of the Yamuna River in Vrindavan, and he aimed it. And as he aimed it, his eyes fixed on Krishna. And he was so attracted to Krishna, he fainted in ecstasy. And his bow just fell to the ground. So Krishna's Madan Mohan, he bewilders even the Lord who bewilders everyone. But Krishna is thinking, Sri Radha is Madan Mohan Mohini. Because she even bewilders me. 
I am Ananda, Swarup. I'm the very manifestation, I'm the very eternal reservoir of all pleasure, of all ecstasy. But Sri Radha's happiness, her ecstasy, is 10 million times more than mine. That's what Krishna's thinking. And she doesn't even want to be happy. That's the power of her love. Krishna once saw a jeweled pillar and he happened to observe his own reflection. And Krishna became completely attracted to his beauty. What is this beauty of mine? But I can't really appreciate it. If I want to actually understand the nature of my own beauty, only Sri Radha completely understands and relishes the sweetness of my beauty. And what is the happiness that she experienced when she realizes my love? So Krishna understood in this Leela that he was completely subordinate to the love of Radha. The Vladini Shakti. And it is that love that is Paramakaruna, that is the supreme origin of all compassion. This is Sri Radha's eternal nature. And Krishna wanted to experience Sri Radha's love the glory of her love. He wanted to understand what it is, the wonderful qualities in him that she alone relishes through her love and the happiness she feels when she tastes the sweetness of his love. For these three reasons, the Supreme Lord Hari appeared from the womb of Sachi Devi, like the moon rises from the ocean. Lord Chaitanya came to taste, Krishna wanted to taste the ecstatic sweetness of the love of the devotee. And all the love of all devotees are part and parcels of Radha's love because she's the supreme origin of love. She's the supreme mother of all living beings. And she conquers Krishna with her love. Krishna came 
with the Mahabhav, the supreme love of Radha, to taste that sweetness and to distribute that sweetness within this age of Kali. So there are many avatars and there are many um, yuga avatars. Krishna appeared in the form of Lord Chaitanya just exactly coincided with the time of the yuga avatar and all the other avatars and incarnations met within him as Sri Chaitanya. So when this decision was made, and when we say when, it's inconceivable. It has nothing to do with time. In the spiritual world, the idea of when, the idea of manifesting is not something that is subjected to the all-powerful influence of time within this material world. The idea of time is just like a plaything, forever increasing, wonderful, loving exchanges. So the Lord sent some of his loving associates to prepare the way. In fact, Krishna from Goloka Vrindavan from Ram Leela, his loving eternal associates he sent to have pastimes with him in this world. The pastime of tasting ecstatic love and distributing ecstatic love. Krishna's, Krishna's grandfather, Parjanya, descended as Sri Upendra Mishra in Sri Hatha, which is now in Bangladesh. Sadashiva, the original Shiva, and Mahavishnu, Karanudakshayi, descended as Advaita Acharya. Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Radharani, descended as descended. Um, Nityananda Prabhu Balaram descended. Jagannath Mishra and Sachi Devi, who are Basudeva and Devaki, and also Nanda and Yashoda in the spiritual world, they descended. Pundarik Vidyanidhi, who is Brishabhanu, the father of Sri Radharani in the spiritual world, descended. And they all gathered in Navadweep from different places. Upendra Mishra had seven sons. The fifth of them was Jagannath Mishra. From Silet or Srihatta, he moved to Navadweep so he could live on the bank of the Ganges. He was a great scholar. He was a very pure devotee. 
He was a reservoir of all good qualities. He married the foremost of great scholar pundits of Navadweep, Nilambar Chakravarti's daughter, Sachi Devi. They had eight daughters. Each of these daughters died just after they were born. Sachi Devi and Jagannath Mishra, they performed such loving devotion to Krishna. And eventually they had a son, Vishwarup, who was an expansion of Baladev. Meanwhile, and I'm going to end really soon because I think I'm supposed to. <laughs> yes. There was Adwaita Prabhu and Haridas Thakur. This relationship so much encapsulates what Lord Chaitanya's mission is about. Adwaita was the very leader of the entire Brahmin community of Shantipur, a very strict Orthodox Brahmin community. The nature of dharma, Krishna tells, paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanataya sambhavami juge juge. The nature of dharma is it gets corrupted. And the Lord comes back either himself through an avatar or through Shastras or through saintly people who carry him in their heart to reestablish principles of religion. So, Brahmin class in India at that time, especially and long before, there was a lot of corruption among some that by their birth. They had entitlement. Because we are born in this caste, we are leaders. We are worshipable. We are qualified for spirituality. And as soon as this, this arrogance, this false pride comes, then the tendency is we're condescending toward others. And then people who were considered of lower castes were inferior. And what to speak of people who were untouchables. In those orthodox times, if a Brahmin was even touched by the breeze that at one time touched an untouchable, the Brahmins would jump in the Ganga. This is a reality. 
When I lived in Vrindavan, I lived with the, one, a very great saint, disciple of Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And he told me his parents were such highly posted, elevated, um, in status, Brahmins. And if an untouchable person walked by their house and the sun happened to be shining in such a way that their shadow touched the house, I'm not exaggerating, this is what he told me. They completely washed with cow dung and water the entire house inside and out and everything in it. That's quite an endeavor. <laughs> but that's how seriously they took that they were doomed by the contamination of this shadow. So for this reason, you know, these people who are called untouchables, they wouldn't go anywhere near these Brahmins' houses because obviously the Brahmins just didn't say, oh, thank you, now I'll wash my house. <laughs> They would get chastised quite severely. Look at what you have done. Out from here, never come back. Okay, okay. So this was the state. So Adoitacharya was the most respected, honored, and senior most of all the Brahmin community in Shantipur. And Haridas Thakur was by caste an untouchable. And everywhere he went, he was persecuted, he was condemned, he was discriminated against. People tried to imprison him. People tried to kill him. People were constantly trying to, to destroy his reputation through all kinds of lies and misconceptions. At one time, he was beaten in 22 marketplaces for no other reason but chanting Krishna's names and the, and the Hindu Brahmins, what are you doing? You can't chant Krishna's names, you're contaminating it. And the Mughal leaders at the time, you're from our community? Chanting these Hindu names? It's, a, it's punishable by death. What did Haridas, when they told him this, Haridas just laughed. <laughs> he said, just see the power of Vishnu's illusion. There's only one God. The Quran call him Allah. Koda. The Vedas have many names. Bhagavan, Parabrahman, Krishna, Rama. But the same absolute truth, the source of everything that exists, who's all-pervading, who is imperishable, who's all-attracting, who's the ultimate object of all love and the ultimate lover. He said, even if you cut my body into millions of pieces, every piece will be chanting Krishna's names. 
They didn't know what to do. Beat him till he's dead. So they were beating him and beating him, and after 22 places of beating him, the whole time, the executioners, they looked up at him and Nobody ever lasted beyond three marketplaces. And the whole time you're looking at us like you feel sorry for us. Harida said, I forgive you. Just take Krishna's names. Just take any name of God and be happy. They said, because you're alive, they're going to kill us. And Harida said, okay, I won't. Don't cause you that disturbance. And he closed his eyes, and all symptom of his life ended. He appeared dead. He was in samadhi. They threw him in the river. He coasted down the river like a dead corpse, and then he came back to life. Well, let's say he, he manifested his external consciousness again, and he climbed out of the river, and if it was you and me, after all that torture and beating and, dis and, and, and blasphemy, we would probably go into the forest somewhere. But he went right back to the place where the governor and the king and the kazi and everyone sentenced him. Just to say, I forgive you. <laughs> Such a devotee. But anyways, everybody was against him practically except the people who opened their hearts to receive him. And Adoita made best friends with him. And Adoita Charya Paradukaduki. A great person. Other people's suffering is their suffering. And other people's happiness is their happiness. That's compassion. Sri Adoita, he saw the people of the world and he saw people in the future, in this age of Kali. And his heart was burning with anguish in his ecstasy of love for us. He was seeing each and every one of us. He was seeing people who were really enjoying Bollywood people, Hollywood people, Wall Street billionaires. And he was crying in anguish. They're left without bhakti, without prema, without love of God. Those, it's pathetic. What to speak of the poor people who are suffering just you know, with diseases and with, with betrayal of loved ones and so many ways we suffer. He was feeling for it. Why is all this suffering? Because of this ahankar. We're thinking we're this body. We're thinking we're this mind. But when we realize we're the eternal soul and the potential of awakening ecstatic love for God with the soul, then everyone will be happy. So he made a vow that I will bring Krishna to this world to give the ecstatic love of, not only ecstatic love of God, but the ecstatic love of God on the level of the residence of Vrindavan. 
And that type of ecstatic love of God only Krishna can give. Love of God is of many levels. But the spontaneous, where, where God puts his, his Godhood aside to love us in the most intimate way. As a friend, as, a, as our child, or as our lover. In pure ecstatic love without a tinge of material condition. That is Vrindavan. So Adoita wanted the most fallen people of this age of Kali to have a chance to experience this love. And Haridas Thakur, he also shared this compassion. Haridas Thakur was chanting 300,000 names of Krishna every single day without fail. That's about 192 rounds. And it wasn't like it was an austerity for him. He just couldn't stop chanting. He was tasting the sweetness of Krishna's eternal loving form. He was hearing Krishna's loving flute. He was tasting the sweetness of Krishna's pastimes. Just by the sound of the two syllables, Krishna. He was in the highest ecstasy. So why would a person in the highest ecstasy be suffering? That contradiction is beautiful. Because that's the nature of ecstasy. That love brings about compassion, where you deeply care about the spirit soul in every heart. And it pains that they're not, this is not just a matter of egoistic conversion. It's a matter of awakening love in people's hearts. So Haridas Thakur in his cave was constantly chanting with tears rolling from his eyes, praying, Krishna, come to this world and give your mercy to these people. And Adoita, along with Haridas, he read from the Gautamiya Tantra, a great scripture, that Krishna or Vishnu or Narayan or Parabrahman will fulfill our desires if with love and devotion we offer some Ganga water and a Tulsi leaf. Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam Yome Bhakta Prayachati Tadaham Bhaktu Bharatam Ashnami Prayadatmana. So on the bank of the Ganga, he was offering to his Shalagaram Shila Tulsi leaves and Ganga water and crying from the very core of his heart, from his very soul, crying, Krishna, please help the people of this world. 
give your love. Give happiness. Srila Prabhupada, in a very simple way, our beloved Guru Maharaj, he said the whole purpose of Vedic culture is sarve sukhano bhavantu. Let everyone be happy. But actual happy. <laughs> Not just little symptomatic happy of, of coping with our distresses, but actual happiness, ananda. That's the whole purpose of Vedic culture, that everyone actually experience prema or love, true happiness. So Adhoitacharya was crying, calling out loudly, Krishna come for these people. And then there was five there were four brothers, Srivas, Sri Ram, Sri Pati, Sri Nidhi. They lived in Navadweep. And in their house they were having kirtan throughout the day and night, praying for Krishna to come to this world. Srivas Thakura was an incarnation of Narada Muni. Haridas Thakur, Lord Brahma. Extraordinary personalities. So Srivas, they were singing and dancing in kirtan, constantly praying for Krishna to come to deliver the sufferings of this world. Adoita was doing puja, and Haridas Thakur was doing japa. And it is by the power of their compassion that Krishna, he descended to this world. His first reason was to taste the sweetness of Radha's love. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nahiva. Radha Bhava Duti Suvalitam Nomi Krishna Swarupa. Who is Lord Chaitanya? Krishna, who comes with the love of Sri Radha and the beautiful golden complexion of Sri Radha. It is said that in the spiritual world of Goloka, in the infinite sky of Brahman, Krishna told Radha, I'm descending to this world. Adoita and Haridas, they're all calling for me. And he said, what, I, what I'm going to do. And he said, I'm descending to this world because I want to come in a form to taste the sweetness of your love and understand the nature of my wonderful quality. And Sri Radha says, if you have my love, when you, chant, when you chant your own names, you're going to fall on the ground in ecstasy. And I can't bear that you may injure yourself in that way. So I will come with you and I will cover you with my golden complexion.
how did he appear? In the year of 1485, in the month of Mag, January, <coughs> Krishna, with the Mahabhav of Sri Radha, entered into the heart of Jagannath Mishra. There was no physical contact in this <coughs> pastime. And when he entered into the heart of Jagannath Mishra, Jagannath Mishra just felt the entire spiritual world within him. And then Jagannath Mishra personally witnessed that that Lord within his heart entered into the heart of his wife, Sachi Devi. Just like the sun let us say, when the moon rises, the light of the sun goes on the moon. And Sachi Devi became pregnant. And everything was, their lives were so filled with inexpressible happiness. And everywhere they looked, they were just seeing the most wonderful divine things. It's amazing. When Krishna fills our heart, when God fills our heart, we don't see the material world as the material world anymore. They were just seeing the essence within everything. They were so happy. But then, the child grew like an apparent child of this world, but didn't come out. Usually nine months, 10 months, 11 months, 12 months, 13 months. Now their happiness was getting um, worried. <laughs> they approached Nilambar Chakravarti and begged him, please tell us what's happening. So he did, he was a great, true astrologer. He did an astrological calculation. He said, this child is divine. He's coming to nourish and liberate the universe. Not an ordinary child. And he is waiting for the most auspicious moment to appear. And that a moment will come in this month. Now what is ordinarily considered inauspicious could be transformed into what is most auspicious. It's a lesson that we learn through all great spiritual traditions throughout time, how it's usually difficult situations that bring people to really surrender. So it was a lunar eclipse. And lunar eclipses are by many considered very inauspicious. I remember once I was in a place and 
I was there at a time when there was going to be a lunar eclipse. And everybody in the community gathered in the temple room. And they covered beforehand, like a day before, they covered every window with thick black paper. So not a single, nothing could get in. Solar eclipse, lunar eclipse, like this. Because you don't want to be touched by the rays. So, and nobody was allowed to eat. And nothing could be, anything that was cooked before that had to be like thrown out or because you can't eat it after that, it's contaminated. So this is the way some people are. So it's considered inauspicious. But because it was considered inauspicious, everyone in Navadweep and Shantipur and this whole area, they wanted to take, they chanted the names of Hari to make it auspicious. Even the most materialistic people they chanted because they didn't want an inauspiciousness, whether it was superstition or realization. So as the eclipse was coming into its fullness, there were hundreds and thousands of people, millions of people in the whole area and in, going inside the Ganges, loudly chanting, Hadi, Hadi. Sorry if I'm putting you to sleep. Hadi, 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 Ten million times louder, please. Hadi. Not like that. Hadi, 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 Something like that. They were all chanting. Some were desperately calling out to God to, to protect them from anything inauspicious, materialistic people, protect my family, protect my business, protect my health, spiritual people, protect my vows, protect my life, my, my loving devotion to you, protect my sadhana. But everybody, and the amazing thing, even Muslim people, Every Muslim person, they were so much under the influence of this energy that they were seeing millions of Hindu people chanting Hadi, Hadi in the waters of the Ganges and the banks of the Ganges. All the Muslim people, some of them were making fun, some of them were ridiculing, but they couldn't stop crying out, Hadi, Hadi! So everyone was united in Hadi, Hadi! Because Hadi, the name, means one who steals away all inauspiciousness, one who steals one's heart. And Radharani is Hade, because she steals Hadi's heart. <laughs> so as everyone was chanting very loudly, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, with the, with the love and the complexion of Sri Radha, appeared under a neem tree in Navadvip Mayapur.
is so beautiful. Everything auspicious took place everywhere around. It was a great festival. The entire world felt happiness in their hearts, whether they knew why or not. And Adwaita and Haridas in Shantipur, they could feel. They did not intellectually understand that their Lord had come, but they could feel. They could feel his love. They could feel his compassion so close. They went in a total state of ecstasy. They were praying, they were doing tapasya, they were fasting, they were crying for the Lord to come for us because they were already liberated. They already had prema bhakti. There was nothing for them. They were doing for us. Why? Because there's no greater way of pleasing the Lord in this creation than showing compassion to Krishna's, to the Lord's children. So they were in so much ecstasy, they were dancing and dancing and dancing and crying out the holy names. Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his coming and manifesting himself in this world through birth he orchestrated millions and millions of people in all directions to be chanting Krishna's holy names at that moment God's names and when he was just a little boy He was so beautiful. The ladies, they fell in love with him. The friends, the relatives of Sachi Devi, the Lord's mother. He had such beautiful lotus-like eyes. They seemed to extend almost to his ears. And his nose like, was like a freshly blossomed sesame flower. And his lips were like the bimba fruit. And his face was like the rising golden moon. Every limb of his body was so attractive. The ladies gave him the name Gore Hari. He's like Hari, he's stealing our hearts. And he's golden. And the child cried, because babies cry. In this case, it was the Lord's Leela to cry. And he wouldn't stop crying. And when the ladies, when they saw this, they only wanted his happiness. 
They couldn't bear seeing him cry. And when nothing else worked, they chanted, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. And little Gorhari smiled at them. He would gaze at each one of these ladies in their eyes and smile. And it totally captured their hearts. It totally awakened a limitless flame of love from their hearts. And they just couldn't wait till the next time he cried. <laughs> so every time he'd cry, the ladies would blissfully smile and clap their hands and chant. And from that day on, they didn't even wait for him to cry anymore. <laughs> they just knew how much this chanting of Krishna's name made him happy. So day and night, practically, they would all just be around his bed, because their happiness was in seeing him happy, and his happiness was making them happy, and their happiness was making him happy, and his happiness was making them happy. And this is the culture of bhakti. They would just gather around his little cradle or whatever he was laying and they would clap their hands and they'd smile and they'd chant and he would smile with a radiant smile. When he would smile, it was, it's Sri Radharani's smile. When Lord Chaitanya smiles, it's Sri Radharani's smile. It's her compassion, it's her love filling the world and filling all these people's hearts, the source of all love. Through this chanting of Krishna's names, through this mood of seva, Lord Chaitanya, he's actually Sri Radha giving her love to those who receive it in this way. And Advaita Charya. And Haridas Thakur, such a lesson. The greatest of the Brahmins and a person who was without caste were the most intimate <laughs> friends and brothers, which is an eternal bond because their center was in loving Krishna and showing compassion to others. In this way, before Lord Chaitanya even appeared, he told what he was going to do. He would induce people to chant the names and he was going to completely crash through the perverted caste system. He and his associates, they came to taste the treasure of prema, ecstatic love. To taste it and then to distribute it. Distributed how? Without considering who is fit or who is unfit. What is an auspicious place or what is an inauspicious place? What is an auspicious time? What is an inauspicious time? Without even consideration of any of these things, they're giving Sri Radha's love 
the awakening of a portion of Sri Radha's ecstatic love to anyone or everyone who's willing to accept it. And Lord Chaitanya you predicted in every town and village, let us bring the mercy of this love. So today, Gaur Purnima, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's actually appearing in all of our hearts at this moment. Because Shravana, hearing, hearing transcendental narrations is non different than the historical or the eternal events or people that we're discussing. Just as Bhagavan is in his name, Sri Radha is in her name. These pastimes are non-different than the pastimes that are in the spiritual world and that have been enacted within the avatars of this world. It's actually a direct connection. If we have faith, if we take shelter, that faith is awakened within our heart when we hear in a mood of service in the association of those who have faith. It is said when we We feel confidence in ourself. That is confidence. When we feel confidence in others, that is trust. When we feel confidence in the grace of God, that is faith. Shraddha. Sanskrit Shraddha means faith in the Supreme. When we hear with that faith, this Leela is not just a theoretical seminar or a class lecture. Within our minds, within our hearts, this Leela is taking place. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is there. So in this way, we are celebrating Gaur Purnima by all, each and every one of us personally participating in this wonderful Leela and praying to take shelter. Vitaraga bhaya kroda manmayama mupashata bhavo bhavamagata in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells, being free from attachment and fear and anger. When one hears about me, 
one develops knowledge of me. And by such knowledge, following in the footsteps of great persons, one takes shelter of me, and in that shelter one develops love for me. Our beloved Guru Maharaj Srila Prabhupada, after he took this message of Lord Chaitanya, he was given this instruction by his Guru. I'd like to say one little thing and then I'm going to end. <laughs> In 1922, Srila Prabhupada first met his Guru Maharaj, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur on a rooftop at Ultadunga Junction Road in Kolkata. And at the first meeting, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, his Guru Maharaj, told him, you are an intelligent young man, you should take the message of Lord Chaitanya to the whole world in the English language. Prabhupada was a very, very strong, staunch follower of Gandhi at the time. He was just married, he just had a baby. But he took those words as his heart and soul. That was in 1922. 22 years later, in 1944, Srila Prabhupada went forward with that mission by establishing Back to Godhead magazine. 22 years later, in 1966, in New York City, Srila Prabhupada established ISKCON. Haridas Thakur, our Namacharya, was beaten in 22 marketplaces. <laughs> now, for the public, I go this far. But for devotees of Radha Gopinath. 1966, Prabhupada established ISKCON. 22 years later, in 1988, Radha Gopinath was installed in Chopati. And for whatever it's worth, I was initiated by Srila Prabhupada when I was 22 years old. <laughs> On this great day of Gaur Purnima, let us, let us pray. When Srila Prabhupada was in Atlanta, Georgia, there was hundreds of devotees from all over America, many from Europe, they came to visit him there. And the, the main deities on the altar are Gaur Nitai. And Lord Chaitanya and Prabhupada looked at them and chanted Paramakaruna, Pahunduigana, Nitai Gorachandra. And he looked at the deities before the class and seeing how Lord Chaitanya and Nityananda have spread this movement to people who were, by Vedic standards, way, way, way below untouchables. 
how they were becoming purified, better than Brahmins in their love. Srila Prabhupada was just looking at to see what you're doing, Lord Chaitanya. And he began, he said, Lord Chaitanya, Lord Nityananda are so merciful. And he cried and cried and went into a state of ecstasy where he couldn't even talk. And then he said, have kirtan. Let us pray. Trinada Bisunichina Tarodi Basa Hishnuna Amanina Manadena Kirtaniya Sada. Lord Chaitanya taught to take this verse and wear it on the string of the holy names and keep it on our heart always. The verse to strive to be more humble than a blade of grass. To strive to be more tolerant, more forgiving than a tree. To be eager to offer all respect to others and not demand or expect any respect for oneself. When this becomes our aspiration, then by the grace of the Lord, these qualities can awaken within us and then only can we develop a true taste for the holy names and we could chant constantly. And the seed of love blossoms and the fragrance of that love gives joy to the whole world. Please fold hands. Let us pray for unmotivated, uninterrupted loving service in the mood of servant of the servant of the servant. Let us pray for shelter, eternal shelter in our beloved Lord's supreme grace and love. And let us pray that in whatever way our highest aspiration in life is to be a humble instrument of that love. Thank you very much.
हरे कृष्णा गौर पूर्णिमा महामहोत्सव की थैंक यू महाराज फॉर दिस वंडरफुल कथा आई वुड लाइक टू थैंक ऑल द डिवोटीज हुव कम फॉर द गौर पूर्णिमा सेलिब्रेशन स्पेशली डिवोटीज हुव कम फ्रॉम मुंबई एंड मेकिंग दिस इवेंट मोर स्पेशल स्पेशली वी वॉन्ट टू थैंक टू डिवोटीज हिज ग्रेस माधव चंद्र प्रभु इफ इज अराउंड ही कैन राइज अप इन हिज प्लेस हिज ग्रेस माधव चंद्र प्रभु हैज sponsored today's festival dress for shri shri radha brindavan bihari shri gauranga and shri shri radha madan mohan lalita devi ji also we would like to thank his grace anand sindhu prabhu if he is there he can rise up his grace anand sindhu prabhu has very graciously sponsored entire years bhoga for shri shri radha madan mohan lalita devi ji from gaur purnima today to gaur purnima 2021 So we would like to thank these wonderful devotees, His Grace Madhav Chandra Prabhu and His Grace Anand Sindhu Prabhu, in a traditional style, but loudly chanting three times. Prabhu is telling 22 years after Radha Gopinath 1988 and 2010 the construction began at Govardhan Eco Village.